The second question, how is the judgment of this world a result of the death of Christ? How is it that this this statement by our Lord, which is talking about the near future, something new is going to come about in terms of uh, the God-man having been lifted up from the earth is going to assume a, a posture he hadn't prior to that. Excuse me. Supposed to go like that. Sorry. Uh, how is that related to his death? This assumption of a posture of, of, of regalness, of uh, universal sway and sovereignty, of, of dominion, to use the language of Daniel 7, various Psalms, and Genesis 1.28. Uh, What is the relationship between the two? I would say at least this much. This judgment of this world, in terms of the way I preached it, is the promised reward for his obedience. It's a promised reward for his obedience. It It is what he merited as the incarnate one. It is It is the, the result of obedience unto death. Here's Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So I think you can see there an obedience reward kind of motif or relationship. Our Lord suffers by virtue of life unto death obedience, and then he is rewarded with glory, sufferings and glory. Jesus merits a position of dominion. By virtue of his incarnate obedience. Uh, matter of fact, he hinted at this more than just in our text. Uh, you remember after the resurrection, all authority has been given unto me. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Now, did he have actually Son of Man having ascended? that kind of a posture of dominion when he said those words. No, I think what he means there, all authority has been promised to me and it's going to be executed formally according to the fulfillment of Daniel 7 once I get to heaven. Um, But nonetheless, it's mine. It is the person of the incarnate Son of God. It is his authority. So he hints at it there. He hints at it in another place I'm not going to mention um, because 
I chose not to put it in my notes for some reason, and I don't want to launch off into something else. So here's this motif in Isaiah. For the joy set before him, right? There was something after the cross that was wonderful to the incarnate Son of God that motivated him. Now my soul is troubled. I came to this hour. So the, the results, the effects of his death are actually, were actually a, a joyous contemplation for the incarnate Son of God. Why? Because he knew he would be rewarded for his obedience. Our Lord's humble state while on earth did not include dominion as son of man as it does now. i got to be really careful here. Do I want to say when the, incarnate son, when the Son of God was incarnate, uh, he had no sovereignty over the creation? I, we have to say, wait a minute, if he's very God, he can't relinquish godhood. But I am saying this, our Lord's humble state while on earth did not include dominion as son of man as it does now. In other words, having been lifted up, buried, raised, ascended, coronated. Now, now that's what we're talking about. That's the new thing. Remember I said a new thing is happening here. This investiture uh, given to the incarnate Son of God, this side of his o- suffering, uh, is, uh, his obedience. Whereas Adam the first lost the right use of dominion through sin, Adam the last earns it through a life unto death obedience, rewarded with dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That shall never end. Some of you have heard of the term the mediatorial kingdom. The kingdom of the mediator. When did it start? I remember reading Jonathan Edwards a long time ago. And he said, uh, immediately upon the fall into sin, the, the work of mediation occurred. You know, when the... When Adam and Eve got dressed, got clothed, sign signifying that you could be clothed with righteousness, not your own, your sins could be forgiven or covered, you know, stuff like that. Um, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. That seems to be an act of mediation, at least in the future, right? So it's knowledge is coming to Adam and Eve, listening to God curse the serpent. They were there. Read the passage in Genesis 3. They heard that. What did they believe? Remember way back in the sermons on Genesis 3.15, that one, I think it was a Lutheran, he said, poor woman thought she gave birth to the Messiah. Remember Genesis 4.1? We're going to obviously have to turn there because I'm getting, I'm getting these weird looks. Come on, people. What's wrong with you? That's that's R.C. Sproul joke, by the way. Remember in Genesis 4, when people ask this question, what did Adam and Eve believe when they about this skull-crushing seed of the woman promise in Genesis 3.15? It seems to be that through the woman, a seed is going to come that destroys the serpent, who is the tool or pawn of the devil. 
It's what it seems like. If you read the entirety of Scripture, it is. But look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, they had relations, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Uh, some of you know, in some of your versions, there might be a note on the side. It says, a man, the Lord. Is that right? Does anybody's version says that? Sean's got one that says that. What's, what's your version? 77 New American Standard has a marginal note that says, if you want to translate this literally, I have delivered a man, comma, the Lord. So you read the older guys, especially, and they're going, what in the world would cause her to think she gave birth to a man who's the Lord? Genesis 3.15. I remember, I think it's A.W. Pink. He has a bunch of arguments how Adam's in hell. Yeah, he's like the only one that said that. I wanted to grab him and say, no, I don't think so. I think there's indications of, of more going on in their souls and their minds with the weird revelation uh, somehow, some way, of the curse upon the serpent. I think they're, they they put two and two together more than you're giving them. They're more more than you're giving them uh, credit for. So here we have Genesis three fifteen. Adam had dominion, and he should have preserved the purity of the garden from any external enemies that might try to pollute it. And was there an enemy that tried to pollute it? Yes. So Adam's created, given dominion, put in the garden, has the revelation of the prohibition to what not to eat, covenant of works, and not long after Eve comes around, he violates the covenant. He sins. He doesn't preserve the vice regents, the vice king's palace, the garden. And he's kicked, actually kicked out of it. So if you kind of track through all this, all right, he sinned, so he fell short of the glory of God. The glory of God is a state of human existence, better than his created state. By virtue of his obedience to all of God's commands for him, at some point, some, some time in the future, God would have eschatologized Adam and all his, uh, the Adamites. That's the covenant of works, probation theory that I think is the right one to take on what's happening here. But that didn't happen, right? Didn't even get out of the garden. You're supposed to subdue the, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with sinless sons of God in communion with God, serving God all over the earth. Isaiah says, the Lord made the earth to be inhabited by image bearers. He didn't even, they didn't even have a baby, as far as we know, before they sinned. So he was to come to this point and be then exalted to a better state than his created state. But he didn't. Now think about Jesus. Um, Our Lord Jesus... Well, let's go to the first Adam. The first Adam, in theory, if he obeyed and spread the image of God across the earth, 
and fought off the devil and the rest of the Adamites fought off the devil and the, and the, the, the devil's cronies and didn't give them an inch, God would have eschatologized those Adamites and the creation in which they're in. That didn't happen. The Lord Jesus comes on the scene not as an adult, like Adam, right? Adam and Eve came on the scene as adults. That's why our confession says they were perfect. Old word for mature. But Jesus comes in a womb. You know why I've said this recently. Why does he have to go into a womb if he's the last Adam? Because subsequent Adamites after Adam and Eve started out in a womb and they sinned. They came out of their wombs lying, like David says in Psalm, whatever it is. So he he needs to go through all the the stages of human existence uh, in which we have sinned. He has to assume all those stages to elevate them, to sanctify them, to be obedient in the midst of them so that he might repair our nature. What is not assumed is not repaired. He assumes human nature in the womb. But we're arguing here that his womb-to-tomb obedience, can, it can be, we can encapsulate all of it into one word, sufferings. What do we mean by that? We mean that holy thing, It's called that in Luke, you know. That holy thing that was caused by by the hovering of the Spirit over the womb. The Spirit hovered in Genesis 1-2 in the first creation, by the way. But here is this new creation, last Adam, in the womb as a result of the Spirit somehow causing it to come to be in conjunction with Mary without a human seed, Um, And then he does his sufferings, his life unto death obedience uh, for for the 30-whatever years, and he's then rewarded at that point. Now, if we go back to the first Adam, we're going to say, hmm, how's Adam going to multiply and fill the earth in 30 years? It's not going to do that. It's going to take longer than that, right? It it seems like it would take a long time. I don't know how long. If there was no sin committed, this is, you know, at some point John Owen says, stop thinking like this. You're not here, John, to stop me. We're going to think a little about it because I learned this from John Owen. You know, at some point, the, the, the earth would have been filled with inhabitants starting from the first parents. But it didn't happen, right? Soon after their creation, they fell into sin. Jesus does sufferings for 30 years, 33 years or whatever it is, and then enters into glory. Now, if the first Adam would have entered into glory, I've said this, all the Adamites would have been eschatologized at the same moment. It doesn't happen that way with the last Adam, does it? He's eschatologized. He enters into glory. And then the way he applies the redemption that he accomplished is over a long period of time. Now, I, if I be lifted up, will effectually call people from the, as the exalted son of, uh, incarnate son of God, okay? 
because he was effectually calling as God before, but now he's the God-man in heaven. I'll call, I'll effectually call, I'll cause sinners to come to me and glorify the Son of Man and the Father all over the earth, and it's, I'm going to take as long as I need to or want to. Then, at the end, is our entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I didn't make those words up. That's 2 Peter 1.11. You ever wonder about that? An abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Colossians 1, we went from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God's dear son. Aren't we in his kingdom? Aren't we in one sense in his everlasting kingdom? Well, yes and no. There is that, yeah, already, and that however not yet aspect of our salvation, right? Am I fully justified by virtue of the obedience of Christ for for me and for my salvation imputed to me? Yes. Am I in glory? Some of you said no quicker than others. You're not either. None of us are in glory, right? So the last Adam gets eschatologized in a sinful world where people didn't recognize him for who he is. Uh, uh, he He is the torchbearer of revelation like none before. He is the word who was with God and God and created all things and became flesh. He came to his own and his own didn't know him. They rejected him. And yet we're, we're, you know, 2,000 years later, we're going, you guys, do you realize what you're doing? This is the incarnate son of God. This is, this is the whole reason we have a Bible to tell us I'm going to solve the problem that first started, well, actually, not only with the fall of man. I think it, the problem first started with, and I think Satan and, his, and his de- the demons fell on the first day of creation, by the way. That's the old Reformed view. That's the bigger, in one sense, dilemma. How's this Satan character, whoever he is, and all these things called demons, what about them? How are they going to... How are they going to be dealt with, you know? What's next week's sermon on? Now, the ruler of this world, isn't it fascinating? Satan is called the ruler of this world. It's like, okay, God created Satan to rule this world. No, he usurped a position that's not his. Right? And he's going to get thrown out of that chair that he assumed that's not rightfully his. But the interesting thing I was thinking about on the way here, talking to myself, because my wife wasn't in the car, I was waiting for Gordon and, and Alice to pull up the side of me going, are you okay? You know, talking to myself. But I was thinking about this, and I've thought about this later, and I talked about it earlier. I said, you know, it seems like this probationary period with Adam would have sustained itself all the way till the point where the earth was inhabited all over the place with image, sinless image bearers um, in communion with God. Then God would have eschatologized the creation, brought it to ultimate rest. Have you ever 
quoted Meredith Klein. I think it was Meredith Klein. That's actually a man. It sounds like a woman, but it's a man who was just talking about this divine rest in Genesis 2. And he said, it's, this might be Voss. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter who it is. But they said, it's like God saying, come up here. through. I'll reward you if you, if you do what I say. Come, come up here. I'll eschatologize you. I'll give you a status of existence that's permanent, that can't be lost. It never happened with the first Adam, assuming it would have taken him a long time. Jesus, it's kind of a reversal thing. The last Adam um, suffers and then enters into glory, and then the glorification of all things awaits when the bucket of effectual calling is empty. When he's done saving sinners all over the globe, then comes the end. Fascinating. Anyway, it's connected to his death as a reward for his obedience. And um, may the Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's sometimes seems to be a bucket with no bottom, drawing out connections and implications and entailments of, of te- the teachings of Scripture. We are grateful we have your written word. We're grateful by your grace. We understand its most important parts, who you are, what you require of us, our problem, and the divine solution in the mysterious incarnate Son of God's suffering and glory. Now he is in uh, glory at the right hand of majesty on high, ruling and reigning ultimately, sovereign, Uh, extending a scepter of dominion all over the world to mysteriously uh, move providence, the divine uh, sustaining of all things created in such a way that would ultimately benefit the church. And this is just odd sometimes to think through. It just boggles our mind. And and, uh, sometimes, I know with me, my, my brain explodes I have more questions. I don't have all the answers, but I do know this much. The answers I do have that are in line with the divine intent of the word of God are glorious. They thrill my soul, and I trust you'd cause the souls of all your people to be thrilled with uh, the fact that the Lord Jesus is that person who has dominion and glory in the kingdom, and he is slowly but surely gaining a people for himself. We ask that you would bless now the supper in Jesus' name. Amen.